Hey guys, welcome to our Christian viewing experience. I am Noah Wilder. Uh, hey guys, welcome to our Christian viewing experience, and I'm Elias Chavez. And today we're going to talk about uh, an icebreaker and then two media things. <laughs> I'm tempted to not edit that down. I just want to say that right now. I don't know what's going to make it into the podcast, but... We're going to talk about... What are you talking about? I'm talking about a, a movie. movie. We're yes, both talking yes. about... We're going to each talk about a movie and a Christian idea uh, that we found in it and presented to you in what we call the feature presentation so that you can take that and think about it and understand God better and understand movies better and understand yourself better and talk to other people about it and hopefully uh, just reach out to others in a uh, just as awkward but a less impromptu way <laughs> if they're ever talking about Superman or Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> uh, you never you, know. You can talk to him about it. But uh, anyway, let's get into the icebreaker. Elias, in yeah. your opinion, what instrument is the most underrated? Uh, kazoo. The kazoo. <laughs> Harmonica, maybe. Um, yeah? Yeah. I feel like they go pretty hard. Okay, give me your argument for the kazoo. Um, okay. It inherently sounds pretty silly. Yeah. And it it is. Um, I don't the, know. The kazoo is like a harmonica with one note. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's the thing. It's it's I love the creativity that the kazoo brings. Um, when jumping on to the kazoo, um, you have to you, you got to know how to improv a little bit. And so mm-hmm. I just I love what the artist brings to the kazoo because of the limitations of the instrument. Well, I th- actually the kazoo doesn't really have its own note. You can sing a note into it and it will adopt that note. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so we went to a concert recently, pulled out a kazoo during the song. Yeah. And everybody laughed and I was listening and I was like, that sounds pretty good actually. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Uh, That's what I, made me think about it. You said that and I was like, yo, that kazoo went pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I would, I was going to say the harmonica just cause everyone's like, oh yeah, you play it in prison or it's the, <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. It's like, it's the generic prison song, you know, like some yeah. guy has a harmonica or like in the West, they could only carry one instrument. So they brought a kazoo, but sometimes in movies they have a guitar, but they definitely didn't have like a guitar case with them no. on the horse, but now they have a guitar guess they just built it well and we weren't looking um but anyway, yeah i i really like the harmonica because it can sound way different than you expect it to it can sound like like an electric guitar if you play it right so it's it's deceptively simple and you think you know what difficult gonna, to master yeah. <laughs> you, you think you know what's gonna sound like it but someone who's like a master of playing the harmonica could really surprise you but yeah, I like the harmonica. I think second answer is the bagpipes. Yo, okay. Because so many people find it annoying. And I get it. But you just gotta like suffer through that first long note and then it starts sounding good. <laughs> and there's a there's a song actually on the How to Train Your Dragon 2 soundtrack mm-hmm. that has the bagpipes in it, and it goes so hard. <laughs> And it's a little scary. Like, it, it's an intimidating song, which is very surprising from the bagpipes. 
Well, there you go. I, I mean, just want to see what the bagpipes can really do. I mean, that. weren't they an instrument of war to, like, begin with? Like, it was what they would know. use to, like... Like the drummer boy guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. They would, like, use it to, like, intimidate and rally forces and... I don't know. Anyways, whatever, dude. It's also, like, a really interesting way... Like, I know you still need lung capacity for it, but you, like, essentially blow up a balloon to have the lung capacity for you. Yeah. So that it can continuously play like that. Yeah. So that's a really, like, fun idea. <laughs> it is like, a pretty funny idea. If I just blow up this balloon, I can... I don't have to worry about breathing all the time. <laughs> so... As I continuously inflate the balloon while I deflate the balloon. Yeah. Yeah, you just blow it up... a as much as you can before you get started and you're good to go. Anyway, I like I I I want to see how far the bagpipes can go. I don't think Have you googled like I, I have greatest We'll never know. <laughs> bagpipes player? No, I I should probably World's greatest bagpipe player goes absolutely dummy with 30 second solo. I I should probably, but I want to I whoever that is is probably like just playing it how it, exactly how you expect it to be played. Yeah. I want the bagpipes to be put into music that it doesn't belong in and see what happens, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like what what's a what's a I love genre the of music that the bagpipes don't just screaming. <laughs> yeah, 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 I like that. But no, like... Um, yeah, it'd be hard to improvise into a jazz song with the bagpipes. With the bagpipes going? But I know it's happened out there somewhere, and we gotta find it now. We gotta find it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Any final thoughts on this question? Any final thoughts? Um, We need... I don't know. If we're gonna, if we're gonna make this bagpipes sound good... I think also we kind of need to rebrand them. The yeah. whole plaid thing, it doesn't work for everyone. We need different colored bagpipes. We need hot rod flames. We need, like, hot rod, we, <laughs> we, we need flaming bunnies yeah. on our um, on our bagpipes. Otherwise, I just don't think the idea sells. That's really all that I have to add to that? No, you got to stick with the plaid, but you got to you got to like make it the grunge plaid, you know? Oh, I know. <laughs> Bagpipes in a Nirvana song. Yeah. Yeah. I could I could hear it. Yeah. I mean, there's like I don't know, like there's bagpipes like, and like heavy metal music would probably go together. Pretty I think well. so. I mean bagpipes go, go pretty different. well with like uh with like hip hop and stuff. Yeah, you think so? Oh no, I know have so. You, have you heard it? <laughs> yeah. There's um uh what is that band called i'm blanking there's a band um from the 90s like i want to say like late 80s early 90s and they released two albums and the first album it was all uh like remixes of like gregorian chant Mm -hmm. um and then the second album it was all remixes of like scottish folk music oh there's a more recent one that was like remixes of native american chanting that was really cool oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. anyway um well if you have anything to tell us <laughs> yeah yeah uh also i was tempted to say the organ but i think the interstellar soundtrack proves that it everyone knows what it can do now you it's know? it's pretty rated yeah <laughs> pretty well rated not yeah. underrated i'm honestly whelmed <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway um if you want to tell us what instrument you think is the most underrated 
it's probably something we've never even heard of, therefore underrated. Uh, yeah, you that's, can, a, that's a pretty good pitch. Yeah, you can tell us about that at ocvepod.com or at ocvepod at gmail.com or email or on Facebook or Twitter at ocvepod. Elias, do you want to get into the feature presentation now? Um. Yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> I'll let you go first. Uh, <laughs> wheelie. Yeah. Yeah, please do. And don't make that noise. Don't speak like that ever again. I promise you I will. <laughs> um, <laughs> In my presence? Uh, more promises I'm going to have to make, Noah. Uh, but okay. Cool. Well, I promised I would do it again. <laughs> Already. I promised I would. <laughs> I'll stop for now. <laughs> for now. Anyway, you're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Honor Among, Among thieves. thieves. Movie came out towards the beginning of this year. I saw it and I loved it. Uh, I thought it was pretty great. What did you see? Huh? When did you see it recently or when it came? No, out? no, no. I like in theaters. Oh yeah. I paid money to support this. <laughs> I I paid money through Amazon Prime. You've seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. It's pretty good. It yeah. wasn't like amazing. No, it's not. But it was. It didn't deserve to flop. No. Either. No, yeah. no, no. It's funny and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Charismatic bard Edgin. <laughs> yeah, it's about a charismatic bard named Edgin. Yeah, his plans don't always work, but that's why he and his barbarian friend Holga um, are currently at the beginning of a film. Uh, rotting away inside of a prison cell inside of the frigid ice wind dale they um along with a con man named forge were hired by this mysterious woman named sofina to steal an item from this heavily guarded vault of goodies D things it, it is in the dungeons and dragons universe um and you might wonder why they took this up for this mysterious woman. Well, there's this personal stake in it for our boy Edgin. Um, one of the many goodies that were guarded uh, was a tablet of reawakening, which has the ability to revive anyone. Um, like no, like there's a lot of revival in the D and D universe. Obviously, a lot of ways to bring people back from the dead. Um, but there's typically like some kind of limitation on it, like amount of time that's passed or when they come back they're you know, like a zombie or something like that, you know, um, the tablet awakening, no such limits. It's just like, Hey, say a person's name and they're alive again, like fully healed, everything good. And we're great. Mm hmm. Um, but this didn't exactly work out. Um, he wanted to get the tablet and resurrect his wife. Um, but the vault was booby trapped. Um, so Forge and Sophina, they get away, but, and they, they take both Sophina and Edgin's bounties, like what they were both looking for. Edgin and Holga though, ended up getting captured. So now they're just stuck inside of the Icewind Dale. Um, and it's been a couple years since that happened. So they've just been stuck there. And they, they're they just trying to escape by any means necessary. Um, so that way Edgin can get back to his daughter, Kira. And he makes a plan as to how to get out of um, this prison. Um, namely, he jumps on a giant bird man and hopes to fly away. Uh, and that they... Board, bird man is 
Jarnathan. Yes, that is his name, isn't it? Yeah, uh, is Jar- is uh, Jar- Jarnathan going to be, be, be here? I any, I just I really soon? I think he's I think he would have a lot to say about my personal story. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the point is, um, arguably, this plan uh, works out kind of. Um, they do get out of the prison, so there we go. Um, they escape, and they end up escaping and trekking back to meet up with Forge, who in this interim time. Um, Edgin had entrusted to look after both Kira as well as the tablet. Um, But things have changed now. They're not all the same. While they were locked up, Forge, like I said before, he's a con man. He's kind of weaseled his way into becoming lord of this uh, grand city of Neverwinter. Um, He's got the tablet locked behind some protected vault. And um, he's also had quite a lot of fun um, raising Kira, not necessarily as a daughter, but just as like a the best uncle he can be <laughs> yeah just manipulating her wherever he can yeah um cuz you know con man yep so at this point he's not very keen on actually like returning edgin his daughter um so now that he's backed up by both his power as the lord of this huge city and also um he still has sofina <clears throat> pardon me uh, i'm trekking along with him everywhere that he goes and she's like an uber-powerful sorceress. Um, there's not much that Edgin can do about anything, really. So, being who he is, he makes another plan. Um, they'll need to pull off one final heist um, that'll break free Kira from Forge and also get the tablet out of his clutches. Um, and for that, they're going to need a team. So they get together a bunch of people who aren't too intimidated by the fact that uh, Edgin typically doesn't make plans that work. So, um, yeah. Anyways, that's the that's the basic plot of the film from you know A to Z. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things go well. Um, there's the ancient sorceress lady turns out to be an ancient evil sorceress lady. What uh, a thought. Yeah, right. I just I don't know, man. Um, they end up defeating her and. Um, it, climactic we battle things a dragon yeah it's really fat uh which is pretty funny it's pretty awesome <laughs> it's a really cool scene i really the action in the movie is really cool i think that they're all very like creative set pieces and stuff it's a good film i suggest you check it out if you're into some wacky hijinks anyways but point is you don't need to know anything about Dungeons no you don't you really don't you just have to be like okay it's a fantasy adventure anyways um so edgin uh, to now look at this a little bit more clearly um, to kind of hone in on a few points. Um, and I want to start by talking about when Edgin actually reunites with Kira. He's been away for years in prison, and um, she's not exactly that happy to see him. And we figure out why, and it's because Forge has been lying about who Edgin is to her. Um, like, she knows that's her real dad, but she's just like, I kind of hate this guy. Um, and even apart from those lies... Edgin does realistically shoulder some of the blame as to why Kira shouldn't, I would, I, w- I would say shouldn't trust him. Um, he never told Kira about the heist to begin with. Um, he didn't want to get her hopes up of seeing her mother again. If the tablet ended up being a dud somehow, or if, you know, as in this case, it didn't work out. Um, but when he blame or when he returns, he ends up blaming, uh, his absence on outside circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he doesn't admit that he escaped from prison. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, he's playing into the hand of Forge. 
mm-hmm. by not being honest. And so now there's real instances of him not being honest. So everything Forge said before seems more realistic. Might as well, true. Yep. Might as well be true. So Kira gets really fed up with him um, because of all this. And she says, uh, you're acting like this wasn't your fault. Um, Edgin takes that criticism to heart. Um, and it kind of all comes to a head when he has like a genuine heartfelt apology about how he hasn't been a good father to her and he wants to change that. But that being said, um, back to the here and now, pre-apology, Kira is excited to see Holga. Holga has been uh, Edgin's, as we say, ride or die. Um, uh, Holga is, she took pity on Edgin a long time ago. Uh, She saw that he was trying to raise a, at the time, baby Kira uh, by himself. And so she kind of became a surrogate mother, sort of, um, to Kira. And her friendship with Edgin is unwavering. Holga kind of assumes a maternal role almost in raising and protecting Edgin's daughter, despite there being no romantic relationship between the two characters at all. Mm-hmm. Um, her own backstory kind of reveals, like, I shouldn't say kind of, uh, it does reveal um, that she's divorced and she's grieving for the family life that she always wanted but never had. Yeah, um, she has a rough backstory. She does. She, like, left her tribe to be with a guy. Yeah. That they didn't approve of, and then that guy he cheats on her and kicks her out. <laughs> yep. So yeah, she's just kind of alone now. Yep. But <laughs> instead of being consumed by bitterness and rage, which you know, as a barbarian, I feel would be pretty appropriate, at least understandable, um, <laughs> she finds her purpose in being a mother slash motherly figure um, to to Kira. Um, and I really love that. Honor Among Thieves, um, great movie, and it celebrates a lot of family stuff, a lot of really positive family dynamics, and also affirms that not all families are biological, which is really cool for us Christians because our families aren't biological. <laughs> Boom. Anyways. <laughs> We've done it. We've done it, boy. What are you talking about, Noah? <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, but seriously, using that is a bit more of a segue. But, yeah, so found family. Um, it's, it's, it's all based on a role-playing game, getting into the slightly more D&D aspect of this. It's it's a role-playing game. The movie, it's not really about the plot. It's about the collaboration and the teamwork. Uh, Each of the characters are really great, I think, um, and they all have specific strengths and weaknesses, and each one has an important role to play in accomplishing the, you know, the, the, the mission. Um, the film, it doesn't do anything to minimize any of its characters. Um, Chris Pine plays Edgen. Um, he lacks the brute strength and combat skills of Holga, and this movie emphasizes that everyone has an equal value and importance. Um, so, like, Holga, obviously, is the... She's the bruiser. Um, she's the strong one and the best fighter. Yeah, and then yeah. there's a... I can't remember their names. Uh, but there's a sorcerer guy who's just kind of there for general magic trixiness. Um, And then there is a shapeshifter lady who is like really good with different kinds of magical tricksteriness. Um, (laughs) But like nobody's stepping on anybody's toes or anything during all this because everybody has their own strength that they play into and their own weaknesses that everyone else kind of shills up, Um, which is really cool. And I think that's very important, um, looking at it from a more biblical perspective, um, 
the way that D and D and this film specifically, since I'm talking about specifically this film, um, it's consistent with like the biblical picture of like how the church works. Um, first Corinthians 12, seven specifically says like now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Um, everyone receives their own spiritual gifts. Um, and we're all supposed to use those spiritual gifts specifically to, you know, benefit the church and the grander body of, uh, Christians, um, um, body of believers, if you will. Sorry. We're all blessed with different um, aspects of the spirit, and we use all those different aspects to come together and, you know, make the body move. Um, but uh, to actually make a positive difference in their world, the team, like the church, they have to live and work in harmony. Like, yeah, they're motivated to work together um, because they're sharing this common enemy, but it's not just about that. It's because they actually care for each other. Um, partway through the film, after uh, much shenanigans uh, that aren't super relevant, um, but after much shenanigans, um, the characters are just on the verge of giving up. Um, it just nothing's working out, and everyone's like, "Okay, so we don't have a chance. There's no chance. We can't win. Okay, cool. We can't win. Moving on now." Um, and it's not the mission that gets them going, but kind of this group therapy session as they start this confession of where how one another have hurt each other and the brokenness that they've um established on one another and it's only through that and through this um forgiveness that comes about because of these confessions um that actually like gets them back on the right path and allows them to um from there establish like hey this is like, this is what's right, you know? Um, this is what I need to do to mend this family and keep moving. Um, and thinking about that, I was like, oh, you know what? This kind of reminds me of another scripture verse. And you might be able to tell that I was reading 1 Corinthians 12. Because now, <laughs> time to move down the page a little bit um, to verses 21 through 26, um, where it specifically says... <clears throat> The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there would be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And that's how it goes, you know? It's a family film. I don't, I'm not, I'm not reinventing the wheel here, um, <laughs> but it's it's a movie about found family and it does, a, I think, a really good job just because it's, you know, a fantasy heist film about talking, um, not just about like found family in general, but specifically about found family in the context of like, Hey, everybody has a role. Everybody's got a specific thing. You're weak in that area. And because you were weak in that area, I felt personally jaded. Well, Hey, let's talk about it and work it out and keep moving on as a family. Um, yeah. and I think that's a really great thing. There's more to get into there. Um, yeah, but yeah. like, I mean, as another very quick throwaway example, I can throw down <laughs> um, like big spoiler warning. But like I said, there's like a big climactic battle. And in that, Holga dies. Um, and 
Edgin this whole time has been obsessed with the idea of resurrecting his his wife um, and um, Kira's mother. And instead of resurrecting her, she resurrects Holga because he recognizes that what Kira needs is not her real mother who she doesn't remember because she died when Kira was very, very young. Instead, she resurrects Holga because to Kira, that's her real mom. And so like their friendship, their bond is like very strong. And Holga like looks around and is like, like, I'm supposed to be dead. Why did, why did you do this? And, you know, Kira obviously is very happy to see Holga alive and well. Um, but it's just, it's just, it's family things like that. And being able to put others before yourself and to like be able to let go of what you think other people need and let them speak for themselves and what they need. And it's, just, ah, 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 it's so good. Anyway, um, I love it. I love it. I think it's a good movie. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, the only thing I have to add on that part is the mage wizardy kind of guy character yeah uh his the name boy in blue is simon simon yeah. yes um and part of what drives home this idea of the body and the dishonorable parts being given honor and things like that um is in the movie he's kind of like a sidekick cowardly joke character there's a part where they have to go into the upside down uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he looks into the hole that they have to go into and he goes, I'll go last. It's like, uh, like he's the, he doesn't have much confidence in, in himself at all. And the people around him trust him to do the little magic they need. Yeah. Uh, and to be a source of information. And that's about it. Yeah. They don't really trust him with much more, but there's a part of the movie that comes and he's needed and they are all like okay this is your part you're gonna do it <laughs> um and he steps up to the plate and keeps failing whiffs so hard <laughs> <laughs> keeps failing and failing and failing until he finally succeeds which is great but um the point i'm trying to make is that dishonorable part of the family that dishonorable part of the body that's just oh yeah well you have your uses and but like we'd get that information somewhere else we'd figure it out some other way but you're helpful i guess make things slightly easier eventually he's like oh you're given this great honor of being the key to this whole thing there's no <laughs> there's no other way around it there's like we just need you to do the thing um and he's given that honor and eventually pulls through and does it because he's given, he's trusted with that, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing I would add is that specifically about the dishonorable being given honor as part of the body, the things you think are indispensable or, or sorry, are dispensable or needed the most. And you just got to wait until they are needed to realize that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm going to talk about Superman 2. Uh, and I'm going to be talking about the Richard Donner cut because it explains something in the movie that isn't explained in the normal cut of the movie. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, Superman 2. Have you ever seen it? I have not. This is the, the Reeves? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen the first Superman? I've seen the 
first a long time ago, but yes. Wow. Yeah, they're pretty good, actually. They're classic. There's three of them, right? Four of them. Four you only watch the them. first two. Okay. Because those are the only ones that were directed by Richard Donner, and then the other ones were made for cheap and, uh, and were just cash grabs and reused the same stuff and looked worse and were worse written. Anyway. But you said they're good. The first two were good. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, I feel like I've gotten conflicted messaging here. <laughs> no, the but, first two are very good. I like them. Um, but Superman 2, um, the Richard Donner cut. I'll explain everything anyway. But <laughs> if you wanted to pause right here and watch it, you could go do that. All right, you I'm on what, it. You know which one to do. Yep, okay, I'll be right back. Uh, so in this movie, two things are happening. One, Zod and two of his followers escape from the Phantom Zone, mm -hmm. their prison, and try and take over the Earth. Two, Superman reveals his secret identity to Lois Lane while they're on a trip to Niagara Falls for a news story. That's why they're there. But he reveals his secret identity. So they fall in love, and Superman takes her to the Fortress of Solitude where... He talks to these like recordings of his parents that help him out, uh, and they instruct him like, "Okay, if you're gonna be in love with someone and build a life on Earth, you're gonna have to be a human. You can't keep your powers." And it's not explained super well, but he agrees to it <laughs> for whatever reason. Sure, he's like, "Oh, that's a nice recording of my mother. I'm just gonna keep it." <laughs> He could have been doing that, but he respects them, so he gives up his powers mm. um, to be with Lois because he thinks that's necessary to build a life with her. Um, but while he was up at the North Pole doing that, Zod and his companions have taken over the White House and therefore the U.S. because no one but Superman would be able to stop them because, you know, they're just three more Supermen. Um <laughs> But Superman has given up his powers so that he could be with Lois. So the world is in some pretty big trouble right now. Um, poor timing for Superman. Uh, <laughs> uh, he also gets beat up at a bar, sorry, a diner by some jerk uh, because he is rude to Lois and um, Clark tries to stand up for her. Uh, but he's not a very good fighter because he isn't used to feeling pain or being blocked or anything or being able to get hurt in any way and so he just like takes a punch and goes flying because he didn't <laughs> he doesn't know what to do if he isn't invulnerable um valid and then on the news he sees that oh zod has taken over and is trying to take over the world and no one can stop him uh one because he has the president hold held hostage at the white house but secondly <laughs> Because there's three supermen. No one can stop me. No one knows my weaknesses. Uh, so what are we going to do here? Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, he sees that. So he's just having a bad day. You know, he got beat up. He realizes that he messed up big time. And now he has to trek all the way through the Arctic to get back to the Fortress of the Solitude with no powers. So he just, like, walks there in a day, I guess. Yeah, I was about to ask about that, but... Uh, not really explained. You just follow along in the movie. You don't think about it. Um, Does he just show up there, or do they show him tracking through they, the snow? They show him having a hard time getting there. All right. Because they really want to make it clear that this was he's, a mistake. He's puny. Yeah, he's not who he was. Okay. Uh, and it's all to get back to the fortress 
in the hopes that there's some way to restore his power. Um, when he gave up his powers, he was told over and over again, there's no going back. You got to be sure about this. You're, this is going to be you forever. There's no going back. You got to be sure about this. And he just does it so he can be with Lois. And he didn't really think about it. And he just does it. Um, so now he believes that I have no way of getting my powers back. But I, where else am I going to go to try and do it? You know? True. <laughs> True. So he gets there and starts yelling for his father to answer him. Um because he's hoping, okay, maybe they left one final message that will help me or something like that. Um, and he just wants help and he's desperate at this point. And this is what he yells. He yells, Father, can you hear me? I failed. I failed you, myself, and all of humanity. I have traded my birthright for a life of submission in a world now ruled by your enemies. There is no one left to help them, Father. The people of this world. And then he continues on, but he, he cuts out. And he starts crying and screaming and all that. Because uh, he's, he's desperate. Mm, he's too. in mourning. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it turns out he sees a little light go off. And uh, there was one message left that contained um, this crystal. This is It's like a bunch of flash drives that are yeah, crystals. Yeah. 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 Uh, <clears throat> this crystal contained one more message from his father and also a little bit of Jor-El's spirit or something. It's not really explained, but it just sure. says, I'm in this. Okay. Uh, in case Superman needed his powers back. So Jor-El gives up the last of himself and all the messages that he could relay uh, through being having his spirit in this crystal or whatever is actually going on there. Um he can give that up and re restore Clark's power so that he can be Superman again yeah. uh, and save the Earth from Zod. How, what does this have to do with, you know, the whole point of the podcast? Well, I would say in this story, we are like Superman. We reject our fathers and we lose who we are and what defines us. We think it's the right decision because we can only see the short-term future. We love this woman we want this thing this is the way to do it is to reject our father to give up who we are so we're gonna do it and so we think it's the right decision because we see only the good of that decision and not the negative consequences of those decisions um but once we do make that decision and we reject our heavenly father we start to feel pains that we've never felt before and encounter problems that we were never meant to encounter and are completely unequipped to handle. And we find that we are under the rule of a false god and an enemy of mankind. And an enemy, as Superman says, of his father. Uh, Zod, the character, uh, is very prideful and sets himself up as a false god for the people he thinks he's going to rule. At one point, someone reacts to him taking over the, light, the White House by fearfully saying, oh, God. And he looks down and says, it's Zod. <laughs> so he thinks of himself as God. So when he hears this guy go, say God, he's like, no, no, no. You meant me. You're talking about me. <laughs> uh, he thinks of himself as God, at least in comparison to the people of Earth. And he's ready to take up that position. Uh, 
So the only choice we have, just like Superman, is to go back to our father by any means and beg forgiveness and hope that he has the grace to forgive and redeem us. Thankfully for us, our father is willing to forgive and is willing to redeem and is willing to do more. He's willing to embrace death on our behalf so that we can beg forgiveness. If it wasn't clear, if Jor-El gives up his spirit to restore the powers, he dies. Superman doesn't have him anymore. The last bit of him that exists in the entire universe is gone. And he's willing to do that because he wants to restore his son to who he's meant to be. And he's ready to forgive and embrace that the end, the death that is coming so that his son can be who he is. Um, and just like Jor-El and Superman and his parents and his father, uh, we are in that same place where God is willing to embrace death on our behalf so that we can be forgiven, uh, so we can be the people that we were meant to be, so that we don't have to feel the pain that we weren't meant to feel and are unequipped to handle. Another point that really drives this home for me is that Superman is warned repeatedly there is no way back. You're going to lose your powers. That's the end. All right? And that he needs... Are we on the same page? He needs to be sure before he gives up his powers that he's ready to do that. And he goes through with it anyway. Even though if he just thought for a second, he would realize, you know, there's probably some situation that I could really help out if I kept my powers. Or, and probably because this is the world I live in, uh, a situation where I'm the only one who could possibly help. And it's probably going to happen at some point. Maybe I don't need to do this. Maybe I will have doomed us all by wanting to do this with Lois Lane instead of doing my duty. Um... He goes through with it anyway, though, because he doesn't think. He just does, you know? Yeah. Um, but the whole time, his father had made a way back. He had made a recording and left a piece of himself in a little crystal or whatever. Uh, okay. <laughs> so that Superman could be who he was meant to be again. Even though he was told repeatedly, okay, there, there's no way back. There's no way back. There's no way back. There's no way back. Don't do this unless you're absolutely sure. There, there was a way back, and you just didn't know about it. <laughs> um, we we're told the same thing. We we're told the wages of sin is death. And we we're told in the day we eat of the tree, we will surely die. Um, and that's what it is. We were given no reason to think that there was a way back. And we still choose it anyway. We still are like, oh, okay, I'll go to hell and never see God and never be right and never be who I'm meant to be or understand the world. Cool. Does that mean I get to do what I want? Uh, <laughs> and we just Sounds do it anyway. Right. But God, our Father, had always planned on a way back, and it was always there waiting for us to make our way back to Him. The entire time since the foundation of the earth, it's always been the plan. And that always included giving Himself up for us, giving Himself as a sacrifice. So that we can be the men we're meant to be, created in his image, and not defiling his image anymore. Um, so, I think it was pretty clear. But, <laughs> Elias, did you have anything you wanted to ask or add? 
I I think you hit all the points. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I originally thought about this because Superman gives up his powers to be with the one he loves and all that. And it's like, oh, yeah, God gives up his stuff. Like his, all, his stuff. Like his godly nature. Yeah. In some ways to be with us so that we can have a relationship with him. And then I was like watching some scenes from the movie. And it's like making it very clear that this was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. And it was not a mistake for God to do that for us. And, and you were like, man, I got to retype this paper now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, it had to change from Superman being God to being a man, uh, which is better because I don't really like it when people are like, oh, he has superpowers. God can parathen. <laughs> like, being able to shoot lasers out of your eyes and being stronger than anyone else does not make you a God. Like that's like our brains going back to like. Um, think pagan worship and like oh, oh okay Zeus has lightning powers and doesn't die guess he's a god like he's, there's nothing godly about him except for he has lightning powers and can't die like <laughs> he's just like a superhero he's not he's man but better he's not god he's man but better but like yeah. he's just as fallen as everything else um but we're like, oh, okay, yeah. That means you deserve to be in charge of everyone and are better than everyone, right? And then he's like, okay, let me seduce someone as a swan. And <laughs> Anyway. Zeus is weird, but anyways. Anyway, Zeus is not real. God is. <laughs> yeah, which makes him pretty godly. Just like Superman, we only have one choice. Go beg forgiveness. And we're lucky that God made a way for forgiveness and made a way for us to be who we were made to be. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Elias, do you have anything else to add? make sure to contact us at OCVEpod on Facebook or Twitter, OCVEpod at gmail.com, or directly at our website, OCVEpod.com. Those are the ways you can get in contact with us. Uh, If you didn't hear me the first time, listen to the recording again. Have a great week. <laughs> Good point, Elias. <laughs> yeah. If you have anything to add or you have your own idea, we'd love to hear it. Do those things. Bye. <laughs>